Thanks for joining us for the special Mid-East Prophecy Edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. shares the Mid-East Prophecy Update from an Arab perspective as he connects the dots of current events geopolitically with last day's prophecies biblically. It is our belief that the next event on God's prophetic clock is the rapture of the Church of Jesus Christ. It is our hope that these Bible prophecy updates will not only ready you and steady you for His return, but that they will also encourage you to share the gospel with others in order that the rapture will not be as a thief in the night. We're living in a time where everything seems crazy and unreal. However, as Pastor J.D. reminds us today, it all makes sense through the lens of Bible prophecy. Our only hope is in Jesus. Let go of this world and grab on to the one and only Savior, Jesus Christ. He's coming back soon to make all things right. Now, don't forget to stay with us after today's Prophecy Update to learn how you can become a Facebook friend or watch the weekly Prophecy Update on YouTube. Now, here's Pastor J.D. with today's Prophecy Update as shared on September 13th, 2020. Welcome to our weekly Bible Prophecy Update. We're so glad that you're joining with us. I also want to let you know, we announced this last Sunday, that we're in the process of launching a new website. And this is, we're hoping, going to be the go-to for all of the videos and really much more. And we're doing this in anticipation of being censored. I think it's really by the grace of God that we're still even on YouTube. <laughs> um, we're not holding back, in case you haven't noticed. And uh, we do uh, believe that it's by the grace of God that we're still on YouTube. But we also believe that there is coming a time when they will probably censor us. Facebook basically already has. So this website at jdfarag.org will be the new go-to site. All right, let's get to it. Got a lot to get to today. I want to talk with you about how there's really only one way that everything that's taking place in the world today makes any sense at all. I think you would agree with me that what's happening, it just doesn't make sense. And the only way to make any sense out of the unprecedented events in the world today is by viewing everything through the lens of Bible prophecy. That's when it makes sense. So you see what's happening in Israel, we're going to talk about that. You see what's happening here in the U.S., we're going to talk about that. You see what's happening with this global manufactured pandemic, We're going to talk about that. Makes absolutely no sense until (laughs) you read in here, oh, now it makes sense. When one understands Bible prophecy, then and only then does anything make any sense at all. And that's what I want to talk about today. If you'll kindly indulge me, I want to take and tackle what I'll call the big three, and I'm not referring to the automobile manufacturers. 
the big three that on the surface make no sense whatsoever. And the common denominator with all three is that they're all leading to total destruction. And that is exactly what the Bible tells us will happen at the time of the end. That's the direction, the trajectory, if you prefer. The first one is the current attempt to destroy the Jewish people under the banner of peace and security, such that Islam sees peace with Israel as the destruction of Israel. Make no mistake about it. The second one, and this is heartbreaking for us here in America, is the destruction of the United States of America as we once knew it, with all the fires, the riots, the chaos, the lawlessness. To this I will parenthetically add the failed attempt, again highlight underscore, attempt to destroy the church. I say failed attempt because Jesus said the gates of hell would not prevail over His church. The third one is the destruction of the world's economies and the world's governments with this manufactured pandemic, which, by the way, is worse than any of us even know. How's that for an introduction? How are we doing? You doing okay? All right. Let's start with this first one. This is stunning. It's a Times of Israel report published Thursday about senior White House advisor Jared Kushner stating that the Trump administration's peace plan, this is the deal of the century that was unveiled at the end of January this year, that the Trump administration's peace plan is an attempt, there's that word again, (laughs) to save the two-state solution. Oh, why? Because it stops Israel from further expanding its presence in the West Bank. Kushner said the Trump plan presented in January this year was still on the table even though it had been rejected by the Palestinians and that it provides them with their best hope of stopping, listen to this, continued Israeli settlement expansion in the West Bank, which Israel captured in the 1967 Six-Day War. Quoting Kushner speaking, What we did with our plan was we were trying to save the two-state solution 
Because if we kept going with the status quo, ultimately Israel would have eaten up all the land in the West Bank. What? The comments mark some of the most specific the Trump administration has made at odds with Israel's expanding settlement enterprise. You know, one of the questions that I think needs to be asked and answered is, if the President of the United States is so pro-Israel, why is he dividing Israel? Pastor, come on. Uh, I heard another guy say, it's not dividing the land. Well, bear with me. Two-state solution? That's dividing it in two. I don't mean to be snarky. It's a sanctified snarky, but okay. So this doesn't divide the land. Well, just a minute. Uh, We were just uh, told that the administration wants to save the two-state solution. Now, you'll forgive the strength with which I say this, but the two-state solution is Hitler's final solution repackaged. You understand that in Islam, they don't want peace with Israel. They want the destruction of Israel. You know, Yasser Arafat, when he was alive, by the way, Egyptian, no such thing as a Palestinian. He was Egyptian. He would come here to the United States and, you know, oh, we want peace with Israel, and we want a, you know, state of Palestine, and la, 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 and all this, you know. <laughs> then he goes back to Ramallah, and in Arabic says, peace for us means the destruction of Israel. And they all cheer, death to America. Come on, don't be naive. In Islam, it's actually Muhammad and Saladin after him. You want to destroy your enemy? Make peace with them first. Now it makes sense. Now it makes sense. On Friday, I-24 News reported on the breaking news that the U.S. president announced that Bahrain is joining the UAE in normalizing ties with Israel and has agreed to formalize the deal with Israel at a ceremony this Tuesday, September 15th, at the White House, where the United Arab Emirates will also sign the agreement with Israel. Tuesday. Also from I-24 News, and actually I uh, was watching this morning because the, the news is so fast breaking, but three days after the signing, so the signing is going to be on Tuesday, the signing of this peace agreement, and that's what they're calling it, a peace agreement, a peace treaty. The Israel Health Ministry is calling for the Israeli government to reimpose a full national lockdown ahead of the Jewish High Holidays, which began on Friday, September 18th, 
with the start of Rosh Hashanah, aka the Feast of Trumpets. So just this morning the cabinet was meeting and the decision was made that they are on Friday, as of this morning, going to be the first nation, the first country to impose a lockdown since March, the first one, Israel. And it so happens to be on Friday, September 18th, which is the beginning of the Feast of Trumpets. And also, according to Arut Sheva, former MK Yehuda Glick is requesting that he allow the shofar to be blown on the Temple Mount on Rosh Hashanah and the month of Elul. This is huge. This is huge. It'll be the, if that happens, it'll be the first time that the shofar on the Temple Mount was blown on the Feast of Trumpets. Now, when you understand what the Bible says, <laughs> then all of this makes total sense. Because it's exactly what we're told will happen at the time of the end. Hang on with me. I want to go through these quickly. These are many uh, verses and passages of Scripture that I'm sure you're familiar with. We've talked about them often. Uh, these are prophecies in the Bible that speak specifically to exactly what we're seeing take place concerning Israel today. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 3. The Apostle Paul is writing. Now, brothers and sisters, about times and dates we do not need to write to you, for you know very well that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying peace and safety or peace and security, destruction, destruction will come on them suddenly as labor pains on a pregnant woman and they will not escape. In other words, at the time of the end, there's going to be this clarion call for peace and security. Jews and Palestinians living side by side in peace and security. And what the Apostle Paul is saying is that while they are saying that, sudden destruction is coming and they will not escape. Now we've talked about this. Why the detail? Why would Paul liken it to birth pains and say they will not escape, if it weren't that there are going to be some that do. They won't escape, but we who are alive and remain. You know, there's this thing about sudden destruction. It's sudden. I know that's deeply profound, but this is all leading up to it. And it's exactly as we're told it would be. Daniel chapter 8, this is very interesting, verses 24 and 25. And his power, speaking of the Antichrist, shall be mighty, but 
not by his own power, and he shall destroy wonderfully. That's kind of a paradox, destroy wonderfully. And shall prosper and practice, and here it is again, and shall destroy destruction, the mighty and the holy people. And through his policy, politics, policy, also he shall cause craft to prosper in his hand, and he shall magnify himself in his heart. And listen to this, by peace shall destroy many. Did you catch it? Did you connect those dots? Peace, destruction. Peace and security, sudden destruction. By peace, peace will be the vehicle, if you will. Peace will be the catalyst, if you prefer, that brings about the destruction. By peace shall destroy many. He shall also, again speaking of the Antichrist, stand up against the prince of princes, that's Jesus Christ at the time of the end, but I love this, he shall be broken without hand, like, you know, I think about in Revelation, when Satan is cast and bound in the bottomless pit for 1,000 years during the millennial reign. You know what I find interesting? We're not even told the name of this angel. It doesn't seem to be an archangel. It's kind of like an intern. It's kind of like, go down there and get him and throw him in and bind him. (laughs) The reason I point that out is because I think we do err greatly when we overstate the power that Satan has. He is not all-powerful. Only God is all-powerful. His power is limited. And one of the things I think that he's been successful in accomplishing by deceiving God's people is he either goes to one extreme or the other. It's either, you know, he's not powerful, or on this other side, he's really powerful. And both extremes, I think, are very dangerous. I was also thinking about how when we behold Jesus, we're going to see Him as the Lamb that was slain. The way I read Scripture, our reaction when we see Satan is going to be like this. That's who deceived the nations? In other words, it's going to be a complete surprise. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Where's the red suit, you know, pantsuit and the pitchfork and all that? No, he's, from what we understand, he is going to be just, his, his presence is going to be magnificent, spectacular. But we're going to look and behold and say, that's him? That's the devil? Whoa! Not at all what I thought. And then conversely, when we see Jesus, it's going to be something like this. No. By the way, you know those 
This is why I never have pictures of Jesus with long hair and blue eyes and wimpy. He was Jewish. He was, you know, Middle Eastern, so he probably looked a lot more like me than... (laughs) Here's my point. I'm so thankful you guys are laughing. But here's my point. I think you get the point. Uh, We're just going to be shocked. We're going to be surprised. We're going to behold Him as the Lamb that was slain. And I, I would even venture to say that we're going to wince at the sight of our Savior. Daniel 9.27. I would suggest that this verse, stand alone, <laughs> really makes sense of all of this what's happening with Israel and this peace agreement that's going to be signed on Tuesday. He, again speaking of the Antichrist, will confirm a covenant, make greater, superior, spectacular, stronger, a covenant, an agreement, with many, many nations, for one seven, seven years. In the middle of the seven, at the three and a half year mark, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and at the temple, which presupposes that the temple is rebuilt prior, and it will be, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. This comports with Second Thessalonians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul goes on to say that the Antichrist will set himself up in the temple of God, declaring himself to be God, and demand to be worshipped as God at the three and a half year mark. That's what's going to happen. So now it kind of makes sense. Joel chapter 3 verse 2, I will gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. There I will put them on trial for what they did to my inheritance, my people Israel, because they scattered my people among the nations and, listen, divided up my land. And then Zechariah 12 verses 1 through 3, the burden of the word of the Lord against Israel. This is a prophecy, as some of your translations render it, concerning Israel. Thus says the Lord, the Lord who stretches out the heavens, lays the foundation of the earth, and forms the spirit of man within him. Behold, I will make Jerusalem a cup of drunkenness to all the surrounding peoples when they lay siege against Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall happen in that day that I will make Jerusalem a very heavy stone, boundary stone. The end of the world is going to happen, and it might be closer than we think. There's much happening in the world around us that ties into the predictions made in the Bible. 
With the number of events occurring, though, it can be difficult to keep up with it all. Pastor J.D. Farag has taken it upon himself to help us out with that. Each week, Pastor J.D. takes an in-depth look at what Scripture has to say about the end times and then pairs them with the current events of the week. These Mideast Prophecy Updates are available for free to you through our website, inspiritandtruthradio.com. You'll find them as well on our YouTube channel, and we update them each week to give you the latest information. These messages are useful to us to be able to keep Jesus' ultimate kingdom goal at the front of our minds. Jesus came to earth to offer love and forgiveness to each person. He completed his mission when he died on the cross for our sins and then defeated death by rising again. Jesus has charged each one of us who confess to follow him with a simple task. Go into the world and share the good news of his life. As the end draws even closer, we need to adopt a sense of urgency in getting the word out. We hope you will use these Mideast Bible prophecy updates to draw closer to Jesus, allowing Him to speak through you to the world around you. Once again, you'll find these prophecy updates by visiting InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and clicking the link to our YouTube channel. Join us again for truth from God's Word right here on In Spirit and Truth.